Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm a feminist, but I'm wearing jeans that are much too small for me because I saw them today in a pile of old things that I was going through and thought, I won't fit into those because I wore these last year and I'm pretty sure based on other evidence that I'm not going to fit into those. And I thought, don't put them on, you'll just depress yourself. And then I thought, what does it matter? Because I'm body neutral, which is the new thing now, beyond body positivity, <laughs> in which I don't, mind, I don't have strong feelings about my body. I don't have to love it all the time. And I don't have to, I just, but I can't judge it either. I just have to be neutral. So I thought, if I put these jeans on and they don't fit, I will feel neutral. And I put them on and they fit. And I was like, yes! <laughs> and I thought, that's not neutral. But I thought, I'll leave them on because, you know, they just... I mean, I had to lie down to put them on. And it was, it was a challenge, actually, in the loo because I could quickly go to the loo before. And I think, oh, wow, fuck, how am I going to get these back up? So I had to do a sort of, you know, that kind of standing lie. Now, to be honest, my heart rate is a little lower than it should be. <laughs> So if I pass out at any point, it is due to a lack of feminism in how I see my body. God, just like being on stage with John Oliver again. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I'm self-employed, and I think I pay myself slightly more than I would if I was a woman. (laughs) (laughs) Just a hunch. And uh, I went self-employed at 24 and uh, maybe if I'd been a woman, I wouldn't have employed myself. Just to worry that my family situation would change. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I consider firing myself each year for the same reason. <laughs> I'm a feminist, but once I was walking in New York and a man was sitting on some construction scaffolding that was spanning the footpath... He leapt onto a bar, did a double flip and then a double somersault onto the ground, pulled his shirt up, showed his abs and said, hey baby, can I get your number? And while the vast majority of me knows that abs and flipping is not the correct vector to judge mate suitability, there was a little evolutionary bit of me that was like, yeah, that's all I need to know about you. (laughs) Did you give him your number? I did not. 
that's selfish. You could have given it to me. I, I should, I should <laughs> have, I should have number about. just for another woman and paid it forward. Yeah, well, I sometimes feel like a bad feminist because I do look at this hashtag body love stuff and I'm mm. like, do I have to love? Like, I'm no, we're now we're past that. All now. my elbows are in the right places and I probably do the right amount of poo. Can that be enough? <laughs> I'm a feminist, but I think having two X chromosomes sends a very negative message. I mean, X is a very negative letter, isn't it, Deborah? No, no, not interested, I'm voting for Brexit. Whereas Y, that sounds for yes. <laughs> Positive, but also with an X, inquisitive. Uh, so... I thought it through. I don't, I don't mean to give you a TED talk about okay. intersectional feminism. Right. But XX and XY is no longer how we determine gender. Oh, right, okay. I'm a feminist, but when I saw the picture of the first wives club, as no one else is calling it, uh, the gang of global first ladies at the G7 last week, my first thought was that uh, Brigitte Macron was by far the best dressed. Did you see her cold shoulder scarlet dress and tan Mary Jane Hill? Uh, it was like if Carrie Bradshaw had married a world leader. <laughs> Melania Trump was in flats, and I did think, make an effort. <laughs> I immediately thought, no, I thought, obviously I rethought that. Obviously, I constantly trained myself towards feminism and thought, that's not the worst thing about Melania Trump. <laughs> but she just looked a little casual, like, she, you know when she wears those sort of, you know, she wore that jacket that said, I don't give a fuck, or whatever. I just thought, it's going along with that, you know, no. <laughs> but I'm wearing flats myself, I'm not judging you if you're wearing flats. I'm just judging Melania Trump. I'm a feminist, but I'm going to sing this song and I'm going to take Deborah's microphone rather than Andy's. <laughs> Is that a feminist thing or an anti-Semitic thing? <laughs> Why can't it be both? <laughs> Let's build a better world. <laughs> objectify me I'm more than just a snack I'm more than my incredible body and my frankly excellent rack don't think of me as sexy except a little bit like respect my mind the most but don't totally ignore my tits I want you to find me fine but get a boner for my mind I want to be in all your fantasies but not for you to think it's appropriate to tell me you to find me hot and think about me quite a lot and want to bang me all the time but not enough to talk to me about it on the train line or any other form of public transport when you treat me like an object almost all of me will object my mind's as full of thoughtful thoughts as my booty's full of sexy sex yeah sexy sexy sex everybody sexy sexy sex <laughs> I won't be young and hot forever and I'm too confident to care I don't want to know about your boner but I want to have a sense it's there <laughs> Just a hint of it in the air I want you to want to bang me but I don't want to have to want to bang you I just want to know I could make you want to bang me if I ever wanted to <laughs> Which I don't <laughs> But if I did I wouldn't want you to reject me or say that you respect me too much to have sex with me Which a surprising number of people have said to me in the past is extremely frustrating and hurtful between my body and my mind, I'll 
choose my mind, it's true. But in mind over matter, let's not pretend that matter doesn't matter just a little bit too. <laughs> Age and death will take me as age and death take on. As with all man's prideful works, my amazing tits will one day fall. <laughs> From Rome to California, no city belt can last. So take the time to raise a glass. consensually or at least unobtrusively and not in a way that implies their autonomy comes second to your desire when you treat me like an object almost all of me will object my mind's as full of thoughtful thoughts as my booty's full of sexy sex give yourselves a round of applause Alice Fraser everybody Audio newspaper for a visual world. So, uh, hello. We should explain what we're doing. Uh, just give us a cheer first if you listen to The Guilty Feminist. Woo! And give us a cheer if you listen to The Bugle. Woo! Give us a cheer if you listen to The Guilty Feminist but not The Bugle. Woo! Okay, and who listens to The Bugle but not The Guilty Feminist? Woo! I think it's about a draw so far, isn't it? <laughs> uh, no, who, who... I, think, I think there's more of you. Just The Guilty Feminist and you don't know what The Bugle is. Just the bugle, you don't really know what the guilty feminist is. Yeah! Who has never listened to either of those two? Yeah. This show may make either no sense to you or perfect sense. Perfect sense to you. Can I just ask what you're doing here? You've drank. She dragged me. Okay, oh, this is like a police state now, isn't it? <laughs> she dragged me here. And uh, she couldn't convince you to just press a button and listen at home, but she could convince you to come across London on a Sunday night. It's mysterious. Anything's better than cooking dinner. That's funnily enough our logline at the Guilty Feminist. Any, anything's better than cooking dinner. But ours is for feminist reasons. Let the patriarchy cook dinner. We've been cooking dinner for 6,000 years. <laughs> Right. I think it's slightly overstewed and gone a bit dry. Pull <laughs> <laughs> in a takeaway next time. Now, um... uh, the Guilty Feminist is a podcast about our noble goals as 21st century feminists and our hypocrisies and insecurities, which. Thank you. And, uh, it's the... not a cult. <laughs> Lock the doors. It's not a cult. It's not a cult. That's what cults always say. No, well, also non-cults always say it too, so it's very <laughs> difficult. It gives you no information about whether it is or it isn't a cult. Uh, the Bugle, for those of you who don't know it, is uh, an audio newspaper for a visual world. It is renowned as the one remaining source of truth in the universe. <laughs> that is 102% factual. <laughs> On the Bugle, we hold up a mirror to the world and then smash our faces in it. <laughs> Well, I don't know. I mean, it is uh, clearly a difficult time to do satirical comedy. And do, do you think satirical comedy works? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of scepticism there. What I mean, works what? To make people laugh or to change the world? Well, I mean, let's look at the evidence in terms of changing the world. Mock the Week has been on television now for, for, <laughs> for 15 years. And look at Syria. 
Dora O'Brien's got a fuck of a lot of blood on his hands, frankly. <laughs> and, uh, you know, further back in history, Jonathan Swift, the celebrity 18th century satirist, uh, he wrote a pamphlet entitled A Modest Proposal in which he advocated eating babies due to a food shortage, yet some 300 years later, still almost impossible to get a well-cooked baby in a British restaurant. <laughs> what did he really achieve? What did he achieve? It's true. I think it was Simon Munnery who said in the 1980s the uh, alternative comedians were successful in undermining Thatcher in the same way that the German cabaret artists of the 1930s were successful in bringing down the Third Reich. <laughs> Listen, we are very amusingly rearranging these deck chairs. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, it's like you've got Charlie Chaplin on board the Titanic and he's doing one of those routines where he gets himself stuck in the deck chair and he's got to get it out again and oh he's underneath it now and oh how can he it's like it's, think of it like that and he's ultimate <laughs> also I mean that iceberg's never going to be able to look itself in the mirror again after the satirising it's taking um, uh, we should uh, well introduce two other people who are going to be joining us uh, today firstly joining us to represent the uh, well a number of uh, Things in the world, the Southern Hemisphere, um, women, everyone under the age of 85 and or over the age of naught, um, people with heads, and the flamingo folks of the universe. Please welcome uh, someone who's graced both of these podcasts, Alice Fraser! Hello, buglers. Uh, hello, feminists. Uh, happy Australian Father's Day, Dad. How are you? My father there in the front row representing everything good about the patriarchy. Oh. <laughs> Hashtag not all men. <laughs> Hashtag Alice's father. He's, he's the one that makes it not all men. Well done. Thank you, Alice's dad. But, but historically, most men. <laughs> Yeah. what the current percentage is and also joining us on stage the producer of the Bugle podcast please welcome Chris <laughs> we don't fuck you <laughs> can I just say we don't talk like that at the Guilty Feminist so whoever said that he's I mean, taken down the patriarchy is Chris the patriarchy? <laughs> you can't point at a beta male and say patriarchy. It's not right. He takes this every single week. Do you honestly think that man is a manifestation of the patriarchy? No. I mean, I see beta male as a promotion, so... <laughs> You're one of us, Chris. You're one of us. Well, uh, here we are uh, for the Guilty Bugle. Welcome. This is uh, episode one of... Uh... <laughs> Of the Guilty Bugle. Uh, also um, doubling up as uh, issue 4,120 of the Bugle. Um, this, uh, we are here at King's Place in London. <laughs> Is King's Place really appropriate for the Guilty Feminist, Deborah? <laughs> King's Place, a location dripping with patriarchal hierarchy. Well, listen, you can't <laughs> smash the patriarchy unless you're within it. <laughs> You can't smash it from... It's just as a problem. Feminists are always doing, like, 48-hour shows about vaginas under a bridge. What we need to be doing is going into the seats of power. That's where you can undo them. We are... We are... We are parasitical feminists. 
Uh, we are recording on the 1st of September, uh, 2019. Again, is this really an appropriate date, the 1st of <laughs> September for this show? On this day in 1532, Anne Boleyn was made a hereditary peer by her boy, Henry VIII, <laughs> subsuming her into the patriarchy before less than four years later, quite literally ghosting her. Um, um, let me emphasise, there are better ways of making sure you're not tempted to get back with your ex. Uh, not necessarily more effective, but better. Um, on the 1st of September uh, 1914, the last known passenger pigeon, Martha, died in Cincinnati Zoo. A lady pigeon left alone by the slaughter of her entire species by men. Is this an appropriate date for this gig, I ask you? At a time when women still didn't have the vote in the USA, let alone uh, lady pigeons. Um, and on this day in 1969, 50 years ago today, there was a coup in Libya that brought Muammar Gaddafi to power. But what if a woman had come to power instead? What, for example, if tennis star and equality campaigner Billie Jean King had been given the keys to number one Tripoli? <laughs> instead of nationalist despot Muammar, or even women's liberation superstar Gloria Steinem. Wouldn't Libya be better off now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying it's a strange day yeah. to hold this show. Yeah, all, almost certainly Libya would be better off under <laughs> Gloria Steinem. Almost certainly. <laughs> almost certainly there'd be 50% less bloodshed. I mean, it would have been swiftly renamed Libya, but... <laughs> Family show, Alice. <laughs> As always, a section of the bugle is going where? In the bin! It's going where? In the bin! Uh, correct. Uh, this week, a uh, special uh, guilty bugle <laughs> section in the bin. Uh, we have forgotten male feminist heroes of history in the bin this week, uh, including Pierre Cauchon, the pro-English 15th century French bishop who put Joan of Arc on trial and then had her burned at the stake. No preferential treatment for Joan just because she was a woman. <laughs> Bishop Corchon was an equal opportunities burner at the stake centuries before it became fashionable. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Um, great feminist. I mean, he might have employed only uh, men-only apostles in his top 12 uh, and had an all-male gospel writing team in his PR office. And, of course, he dug up his dead buddy because he thought there should be a man of the house, Shea Lazarus. But, I mean, besides that, there were some feminist angles to uh, Jesus. Uh, he turned water into wine, not beer, which is statistically a much more popular drink with women. And he was known to use a female podiatrist as well. Um, unusual at the time. And he, and he was a real hunk, but he didn't exploit that for his own gratification. So. And uh, another forgotten male feminist hero from history, Krakatoa. The uh, celebrity uh, male volcano that erupted in 1883. There it is. Um, in one of the most spectacular acts of geopolitical protest in history, Krakatoa exploded uh, in Indonesia, 1883. We don't need to accept things as they are, blasted the celebrity volcano. And just ten years later, women got the vote in New Zealand. <laughs> I, are you suggesting this was a protest volcano? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I do a lot of research for this, Deborah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've brought to us so far yeah. the guilty feminist who killed Joan Arc. I think it's fair to say we'd put that in the guilty feminist right. category. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> Have you heard of Jesus? 
for, for those who haven't, yeah. prominent turn of the first millennium Middle East-based magician and raconteur. Uh, our, our Lord and Saviour for some of us. <laughs> so um, I'm going from a Jewish angle. He, he cost us a lot of market share, that's all. Uh, 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 another section in the bin this week, a women's magazine pullout. Style tips based on 14th century fashion, including who needs a bath and how to rock your three remaining teeth while bearing your 12th child. <laughs> Traditional marriage tips, ever long from the olden days where you could just meet a man, buy his daughter, make awkward conversation over the breakfast table till she died in childbirth. <laughs> Dowry bargaining tips and lead-based paints that will wipe away every trace of the pox. <laughs> A sexy sealed section with tips for how to choose the most empowering sexual positions, including the who are you calling reverse cowgirl, it's reverse cowwoman, thank you, and five ways in which woman on top is a metaphor for how taking power also comes with a lot of responsibility and work. Uh, as well as which, a bird's life section, she-gulls, what life is like in the male-dominated seagull game, turn your seagull into a seagal with special fish-flavoured bird lipstick, putting the hot tip into fighting over hot chips and seven sassy tunes to spice up your endless screaming into the cold ocean wind. Uh, Shemu section for female emus on how to be a giant flightless bird with beautiful eyes and deadly dinosaur legs that'll kick your guts out just like the girls from Sex and the City. And uh, flamingo section, 18 ways to go fuck yourself. That section in the bin. Uh, also in the bin, uh, a diet section. We look at that. <laughs> um... Fuck we, you, Chris. We look at the new Hegan diet, very trendy feminist diet, in which you're allowed to eat meat, but only from male animals. Um, <laughs> bringing down the patriarchy one sausage at a time. This week, we are going to ask planet Earth, how feminist are you? Earth, clearly one of the top planets in the solar system on uh, most metrics, other than uh, gender equality, which it's struggled with throughout most of its long and illustrious history. Earth, famously, is a mother, um, albeit one that has on occasions exhibited an alarming level of indifference towards her many children and her uncontrollable menagerie of pets and her increasingly unkempt garden. Um, I'm not judging, but if Mother Earth was a human, social services would definitely be involved. Um, but how feminist is Earth? We're going to try and just get a numerical value on this based on what has been happening uh, in the news this week. And there's been some hugely exciting news in terms of Barbie dolls. Deborah. Oh, yes. Barbie has released a new series of influential women dolls, or inspiring women Barbie series. These include Sally Ride who was the first American in space, Frida Kahlo, and just this week, uh, they've released Rosa Parks. And this is great news, because uh, Rosa Parks Barbie comes with the dream bus and matching political bandwagon. <laughs> now, the biggest problem I can see here is that as far as I can make out, like most Barbies, except for horse riding Barbie and gymnastic Barbie, uh, she does not have bendable knees. <laughs> which I think is really fundamental to her taking a stand. Uh, the most famous thing about Rosie Parks is she sat down and wouldn't stand up, and this doll can't do that. Uh, it's just not enough attention to detail. Arguably appropriate for the Frida Kahlo doll. 
Facts. Facts. Arguably. Um, <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to make that argument, but Alice clearly is. Um, I mean, I feel it's uncomfortable anyway. What are the kids going to do? I mean, it's important for children to learn the history of civil rights, but let's play Woolworth sit-ins uh, does seem rather awkward. Most Barbies, in my experience, end up with their head ripped off, naked down the back of a sofa. It feels like a little not okay to make it a Rosa Parks doll, if only for that reason. On the other hand, uh, Mattel and the makers of Barbie have always had a keen interest in civil rights. Rosa Parks first took her stand in 1955, and Barbie wasn't invented until 1959. Uh, now, uh, because they are so interested in civil rights and always have been, their first black doll was Barbie's friend Christie, who was released speedily uh, in 1968, only a mere 13 years after Rosa Parks became famous for her brave stand. Uh, when people said that wasn't quite good enough, because why can't Barbie be black, Mattel quickly jumped into action and launched Black Barbie in 1980, only 12 years later. <laughs> but unfortunately, she still had Caucasian features, and so that was speedily rectified in 2009. <laughs> Wikipedia reports, uh, in 2016, Mattel expanded this line to include seven skin tones, 22 eye colours, and 24 hairstyles. Part of the reason for this change was declining sales. <laughs> Really committed to equality there as soon as they started to lose vast quantities of money. Uh, Mattel also teamed up with, and this is true, Oreo cookies to make Oreo Fun Barbie as a friend girls could share America's favourite cookie with. Uh, now, Mattel manufactured both a black and a white Barbie uh, to go with the Oreos until the African-American community pointed out that Oreo is a derogatory term meaning a person that is black on the outside and white on the inside. Uh, this is a direct quote the doll was unsuccessful, and Mattel recalled the unsold stock, making it sought after by collectors. <laughs> if you've got one, hold on to it. Um, in May 1997, uh, Mattel introduced Share a Smile Becky, in their interest to put equality into the world, a doll in a pink wheelchair, until a 17-year-old high school student with cerebral palsy pointed out that the doll would not fit into the elevator of Barbie's $100 dream house. Mattel announced that it would redesign the house in the future to accommodate the doll's wheelchair. But seriously, Mattel are interested in equality. <laughs> we know this uh, because of the 2015 report where China Labour Watch sent undercover investigators to the factories where they're made and found that there was excessive overtime, unpaid work, broken labour contracts, poor safety measures and uh, few paths for labourers to seek recourse, breaking quite a lot of Chinese labour laws. Um, Mattel spokesperson said that the company is in reviewing of the report, so that's good. And uh, they also promised to bring out Sweatshop Barbie as part of their, in as part of their incredible women who've had to put up with all kinds of shit range. I think, I think it's good for children to play with toys made by their peers around the world. Um, <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's uh, not quite fair to put this level of political burden on an extruded plastic doll. Let Barbie be what Barbie is, a hyper-feminine doll based on the unrealistic proportions of a German sex toy whose ultimate purpose is to float free through the ocean and choke out a short-sighted leopard seal. <laughs> <laughs> Girls need packaged Barbie feminism like fish need bicycles, which is why I'm pleased to announce the release of my new line of aqua bikes for the underwater athleisure mermaid fashion community, Fish Bike. I feel like this release of, of the you know, empowered women feminist Barbie thing is the proof that no feminist act is so disruptive of the status quo that it can't be subsumed beneath the downy win wing of consumer capitalism. 
Uh, and the thing I think that girls can most learn from Barbie is that you can be whoever you want to be as long as you be that thing via being Barbie first. <laughs> uh, for those you've not heard of Barbie, uh, 34-time winner of the Toy of the Year award from a commercially advantageous Paranoia Monthly magazine. Um, and um, I guess there's a bit of a problem with the Rosa Parks Barbie, that if you want it to be properly realistic, you're going to have to buy a load of Ken dolls of white racists, which... <laughs> really make for an awkward Christmas, I think, if you, if you invite the wrong uncle. Um, I feel like if your daughter can only access feminist concepts, if you make them palatable via the channel of barbification, then you maybe are a worse parent than you think. <laughs> and you deserve a child that thinks that Rosa Parks' underpants were welded on. Um, as well as uh, Sally Ride and uh, Frida Kahlo. Frida Kahlo, that's a missed opportunity for a Frida Koala cuddly toy for me. Um, <laughs> Catherine Johnson, a NASA mathematics whiz. I'm not sure what she'd say about the physics of a Barbie doll's waist. Uh, she managed to get a rocket to the moon, but I think that might be beyond her. Amelia Earhart as well, uh, which is um, proves to be very realistic. Um, a friend of mine uh, got one for his daughter uh, last Christmas, and then two months later said, where's that new doll I got for your, for your Christmas present? And his daughter said, don't know. And he said, well, that is impressive. Uh, they're also bringing out a new range of Ken dolls for the modern age, the Me Too age, a Ken doll with a slightly guilty face, a general aura of social uncertainty and a newfound awareness of the concept of behavioural consequence. So, a Ken for the children of this millennium, um, rather than the, the Ken of the 21st century, which is a much more confident, sorry, rather than the uh, 20, 20th century confident Ken who looked like he was white, who looked like oh, bollocks, that sentence has just gone out of control. It just didn't want to be said. But it did involve the words cock on a tablecloth, so I'm afraid you've lost it. Go on. Uh, well, I just said it. He looked like he would wipe his cock on a tablecloth and then say, let's go for a ride in the Ferrari. That was very much the, the design spec for the uh, Ken, as well as uh, the, the next feminist Barbie rollout. Uh, they do bring out a Barbie of the uh, Supreme Court celeb, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. There's an Angela Merkel Barbie coming out. Uh, the boundary-busting snooker referee, Michaela Tab. Surely a matter of time. Elizabeth Bathory, the pioneering Hungarian 16th and 17th century serial killer, <laughs> described as likely the most brutal Barbie in history. <laughs> and uh, Piglienska Porkinskayeva, the former TV star and puppet, better known as Miss Piggy, um, from a family of Russian immigrants, of course. Her parents escaped the Soviet Union in the 1960s. Her father, Sausageir Porkinskayev, was a... <laughs> There's a puppet pig in um, government farming infomercials in the 1950s during the Khrushchev years, of course. I digress. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's move on to uh, feminism boundary-busting crime sprees now. Alice, you are our feminism criminal space correspondent. (laughs) Yes, Andy. Breaking through the barriers of the space crime continuum now, a NASA astronaut or nastronaut has been accused (laughs) of accessing her ex-partner's bank account from space. Anne McLean told the New York Times through a lawyer that she was merely making sure the family's finances were in order and there was enough money to pay the bills and care for Miss Warden's son, who they'd been raising together prior to the split. She claimed she wasn't doing anything wrong and one small withdrawal for woman, one giant leap for interstellar criminal womankind. I mean, big whoop, Buzz Aldrin, so you played golf on the moon. This woman hacked into a bank from a space station. It is only a matter of time before spammers catch on and we start having to field emails from Alpha Centaurian princes with implausible inheritance and cut price Cialis from the dark side of Uranus. Hot signals are in your quadrant of the galaxy and they want to chat. It is a truly extraordinary story. This The headline I saw, astronaut accessed her ex-wife's bank account from space. Now, in terms of sentences, you would not have predicted existing no. 30 years ago. There's a lot going on in I that. I can't get internet banking to work in Camden. <laughs> I don't know how... How did this woman do this? She deserves a prize just for being able to do it. I'd just like to say that on behalf of my client, Space Station's Anna McLean, she tried to make her lazy, no-good ex-husband pay his fair share of child support, and he replied, there's no way on earth you'll see a penny from me. (laughs) She took that literally and did what any self-respecting mother would do by immediately setting off for the closest space station. Her estranged spouse, who is actually called, truly called, Summer Warden, is now regretting saying that she'll get half the house over my dead body. (laughs) I did think when I heard this story, women scorned going to space to unleash their fury is finally a sort of science fiction I'd be interested in watching. (laughs) Um, If instead of Alien, that film had been called Alimony, uh, I would be there. If instead of Doctor Who, it was Doctor Who said he loved me, but turned out to be intimidated when I started to make more money than him and ran off with his Netflix account, I would be all over that. If if instead of Guardians of the Galaxy, it was, you are this child's legal fucking guardian, and will you take him because I I have a holiday booked in another galaxy, you absolute waste of space. Yes, please. If instead of Star Wars, it was fuck men. Brackets, not all men. <laughs> oh, I'd, I'd be all over it. I think this is a new genre, and I think uh, Hollywood is soon to follow. Yeah, it's a matter of time. Of course, it's no great surprise that the first crime in space should be committed by a woman, because uh, this is a continuum that goes back to the first crime on Earth, perpetrated <laughs> by the first criminal of them all, the notorious fruit rustler, Eve. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, in other space news, uh, Russia has launched a life-sized humanoid robot for the first time uh, into space to do tasks considered too dangerous for humans. Like which... being in space <laughs> oh, yes. and being in outer space. 
uh, presumably they send up a life-size Canaanoid robot into space first. Um, <laughs> it's a little uh, joke for any Leica fans out there. Um, uh, different from the old Russian tactic when there were tasks too dangerous for humans to do, um, which they used to just get loads and loads and loads of humans to do them anyway. <laughs> the robot is uh, 1.8 metres tall and male. And I think, surely it should have been a lady robot. This pioneering space robot here. Surely they should have got a lady robot to do it. They've been working on it for 15 years. What they've essentially got is a teenage boy robot. <laughs> it is a matter of time before he tries to put his robot wang into a crucial control panel. <laughs> Ma matter of time. <laughs> um, Alice, you are our urinating in space news correspondent. <laughs> Yes, uh, Russia has unveiled its new so-called M prototype new spacesuit, uh, but the design may have to be changed to continue a decades-old tradition, uh, which is weeing on the bus you get out of on the way to the spaceship, uh, which is apparently a tradition that was started by Yuri Gagarin, or as he was known, Yurin Gagarin, or as he was also known, Yuri Gagurin, <laughs> who famously had to relieve himself on the back wheel of the bus that was taking him to the launch pad in 1961. Uh, this stop has apparently been replicated from every launch since, uh, including female astronauts who bring along a vial of their urine to splash on the wheel instead of uh, doing the logistics involved. Lazy ladies. The same policy exists at the comedy store. Um, as a woman, you do need to bring a vial of your own sperm to throw at a biscuit before you're allowed on. Not your own sperm, obviously. You have to collect it from... It's very similar. Any male-dominated industry will have such a fraternity house rituals, and it's only right that if women want to be in the kitchen, they've got to put up with the heat or something. Isn't that right, Andy? <laughs> You've invented them. What, you're the what, inventor of such rituals. Um, me, personally, or yeah, as, you're, as a you're, representative you're real, of... Yeah. Your people. My, my... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Your I mean, boy people. Yes. Uh, what's the most extraordinary ritual you've ever done? Or did you, as a kid, did you ever play the biscuit game or anything similar? I did not play the biscuit game. Um, I don't know what that is. Don't tell me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, Your dad no. does know, by the way. Mr. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Although, uh, recently... What if they're gluten intolerant? Never mind. <laughs> That's a good way to get out of the biscuit game, to say, oh, I'm gluten-free. Um, recent minutes of uh, cabinet meetings. Anyway, let's not go down that... Uh, that uh... Did you ever... You, are you Oxbridge, Andy? You seem yes. Oxbridge. Did yeah. you ever... Did I ever... Did you ever, have a pig, did I ever pig, fuck pig's... a dead pig's head? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> no, what I was gently getting out right. around the sides. No I've, no, I've never, to this day... Um, <laughs> Um, it's not kosher, is it? Pigs. No, it's not. <laughs> um. I think it's kosher to put your penis in the pig's mouth, just not to put the pig's penis in your mouth. Right. Well, I mean, there's different ways of interpreting the text, aren't there? <laughs> I mean, you are talking to the man whose wedding cake was a leg of ham. Worst you ever, yeah, that's... Uh, that was... Did you have any, any comedy rituals? Co comedy uh, com rituals? Yeah, anything well, you ever had to do at school or uni or...? No, just, uh, just fail, generally. Um, <laughs> it may be that you weren't invited to them because no, you should have done at least one in your life. Right, <laughs> one humiliating ritual. Yeah, I feel like there's one. There must... I bet sure you I've... have. Uh, I'll give you some time to think I about delivered it. a child. Does that count? As a humiliating <laughs> <masculine> <laughs> ritual... <laughs> 
<laughs> As a Turner, she's... It was some kind of initiation my wife made me do. <laughs> Andy Zaltzman's sister once told me it was the only time she'd ever seen him clean the bathroom. <laughs> at home because there was no way of getting there yes you were not supervised unsupervised you delivered a child unsupervised I did and then retired from midwifery with an uh, unblemished played one 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 record wow what an experience yeah (laughs) (laughs) flashbacks Um. Human ancestry news now, and uh, a missing persons case dating back four million years could have been solved. A fossilised skull has been discovered in Africa that could rewrite everything we know about human evolution. Uh, They found the oldest known ancestor uh, species of current humans, so we are ironically titled Homo sapiens, uh, meaning wise, uh, which I think possibly needs an update to maybe Homo self-indulgiensis or Homo ludicrous. The skull is thought to be of a male aged around, well, four million, um, which is uh, in the Australopithecus anamensis species, even older than Lucy, the three-million-year-old lady fossil from Ethiopia, the Australopithecus afarensis, which was the previous oldest um, antecedent that had been found so crucially, and I hate to be the bearer of bad news on the Guilty Feminist show, Deborah, but it does look like humans are actually descended from men, not women, <laughs> based, based on these finds. Yeah, it's Adam and Adam, not Adam and Eve. <laughs> I mean, it would be a disappointment to me, except my father is a man. Um, I'm actually from a long line of men myself. Um, so I'm more man than you'd think. <laughs> I mean, there is a small splinter group of scientists who claim that Lucy is older, but she just looked good for her age. <laughs> I think we've pretty much covered that. Uh, let's um, <laughs> sex trafficking podcast news now. <laughs> and that's a sentence you don't hear very often. Um, Princess Eugenie, the daughter of, I believe he's now officially known as beleaguered Prince Andrew, <laughs> has postponed a podcast that she was supposed to be doing against modern slavery and sex trafficking due to, well, you know. Um, <laughs> We should emphasise this does not mean that Eugenie is contemplating doing a pro-sex trafficking and slavery podcast. But it does suggest there have been some awkward conversations (laughs) in that family. Well, I think she's missing a trick here. She should have launched the podcast. Surely uh, the familial connection means that she's got an inside line on guests. (laughs) I thought the funniest thing was the original article which said... But obviously the timing of her anti-slavery and sex trafficking initiative is hugely difficult given the renewed headlines around Andrew. Um, it says she won't want to launch, this is from a source, source of the palace, she won't want to launch a new podcast against modern day slavery when that's exactly what Epstein was doing. I'd expect the launch to be quietly put back. Um, to be fair to her, I'd say what she would have thought is any time is a good time to launch an anti-sex slavery podcast. That's going to be unarguably uncontroversial. No one won't agree that sex slavery is a very bad thing. When should we release it? When shouldn't we release it? I can see why that was her attitude. And then this. Now, we all know how hard it is as podcasters. We're all podcasters. Uh, We all know how hard it is to keep coming up with terrific content. So when it turns out our dads have links to very bad men with unspeakable pasts, it does sometimes disrupt our regular feed. 
and make our lives as podcasters harder than they need to be. I'm not a monarchist, but as a fellow podcaster, I do feel for the princess there. <laughs> and for whatever your dad is hiding, Alice. Well, this is the thing. I, so I, tea with Alice is probably going to be on a hiatus. Well, this is the thing. I have up. never been... I, I've always been quite grateful for my dad doing just normal good dad things. I d- didn't even think to begin to be grateful that you don't have a history with Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> But thanks, Dad. It's Handy. Cons- it's considerate. Yeah. <laughs> More Selfless. than considerate. Uh, just some breaking, uh, breaking... Dad just said it was easy. <laughs> easy not to be in bed with Jeffrey Epstein. Yeah. Not so easy for some. <laughs> you make it look easy. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean it like that. I really didn't. I meant like... Fuck. Can I say that again? Because it was good, but we cannot use that. Um... Not to be in cahoots with Jeffrey Epstein. Easy. Hmm. Not so easy for some. You make it look easy. Hey. Can you laugh like you hadn't heard that before? Because that's not fair. That's not fair. Can you put the old laugh in? Even though what they were laughing at was something far more sinister. No one needs to know that. It's going in unedited. Uh, Some breaking news is coming through. Latest uh, celebrity sex pestilence news. The retired former ancient Greek god Zeus has just become the latest high-profile celeb to be charged with historic sex offences. Matter of time, really. Police in Athens uh, searching a library discovered a collection of what they describe as highly incriminating myths. Displaying a classic pattern of behaviour, an overpowerful entitled male abusing his position of influence. The uh, now-disgraced ex-king of Olympus and one-time god of thunder was denied bail after turning himself into a pint of lager and pouring himself down a stenographer's blouse. I always feel sorry for Zeus. I always feel sorry for Zeus having such low self-esteem, despite the fact that he was the king of the gods. He was like, what do I have got to do to impress her? I'll be a swan. It's always the way. Look at Trump. The problem is low self-esteem. With Greek gods and current dictators, it's never been any different. The male ego has been getting us into trouble since the Mount Olympus <laughs> incident. <laughs> yeah, it was just Olympus before Zeus mounted it. Uh, should we do it? Let's do a let's do a Q Q and A. Have we got uh, my, who has any questions for the uh, panel on uh, any of the issues raised in this show or anything else in the universe? Yes, over Hello. there. Beautifully done. Oh, the classic. Opposite side of the room. Uh, he's following the traditional so bugle thing of, of being as far away from the microphone as possible. So where does Buff Jesus fall on hotties from history? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so for those of you unfamiliar with it, in the early. <laughs> In the early days of the Bugle, there was a, a section uh, entitled Hotties from History in which our listeners would uh, share with us their historical crushes on long-dead figures. <laughs> and I believe Lucy, the Australopithecus afarensis skeleton, actually featured in that somewhere. <laughs> the real horn for her. Um, uh, and I believe she was, was she was discovered in the Horn of Africa as well, I think, ironically. Um, so, I mean, Jesus, n- not my type of guy. Um, I'll be honest, but as I said, we've covered that ground. Deborah, any, any you know, sort of long dead historical figures that you've secretly held a candle for? Uh, I mean, I mean, it's... No. <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you what, biblically speaking, um, <laughs> probably someone like um, 
a Samson, you know, someone who was sort of like really powerful and he'd be able to throw up against a bookcase, wouldn't he, Samson? <laughs> yeah, Abs- but you absolutely. know he'd be the white guy with dreadlocks. <laughs> um, I can't cut my hair, babe, but it's my strength. <laughs> what about David? Because there's the, well, there's the two Davids. There's the David who's the underdog up mm. against Goliath. Obviously, we'd be cheering for him. David perving on Bathsheba and having a husband killed, not so much. Mm. So if you could get David between those two incidents, <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, for those of you who are listening and not looking, this is a, a hulky um, image of Jesus. You wouldn't like him when he's resurrected. <laughs> uh, any, other, any other questions? What is the best way when in-laws raise the questions about, oh, children, and, oh, you'll want children someday, and you're like... Uh, what's the best way to kind of combat that? Just say, what more? (laughs) (laughs) Explain to them if we all have more children, climate change will mean they're dead in 12 years. Or at least underwater. And either way, not ideal. Yeah. Or just just say to them, what after happened with your lot? Uh, (laughs) I mean, that's going to cause certain tensions in a relationship, I suppose. Uh, Alice, any suggestions? Ask them about their sex life. <laughs> or, or tout the uh, soon-to-be technology of artificial wombs so they can make their own grandchildren in a bag. That was a Morrissey song, wasn't it? Grandchildren in a bag? <laughs> um, any, um, uh, any, uh, any other questions? Any other questions for, for the panel? What a deeply incurious audience. <laughs> oh, here we go. I've taunted someone into response. <laughs> Only because I'm intimidated. No. <laughs> um, what is the strangest or most absurd initiation ritual that any of you have been privy to? Maybe not firsthand, but a friend had experienced. Oh. Well, when I became a Jehovah's Witness, <laughs> I had to say goodbye to all of my friends because um, I wasn't allowed to keep my friends. So that was that was a good one. Um, <laughs> Also had to be baptised underwater, full body, but in clothes because it was too immodest to wear a bathing suit. My mother converted to Judaism, and that sounds pretty fucking weird. Being <laughs> bathed by a rabbi. <laughs> oh, oh, a friend of mine, and I can't name names, has a father who's quite a famous moil in New York, and apparently what they do with the foreskins uh, is they put them in Central Park. They bury them in Central Park. They say a nice little thing over them. So Central Park, like three inches under, is like 35%. Um, And careful what fruit you eat from the trees. I mean, to be honest, that is an initiation ritual I did go through aged eight days. And it's something I've been trying to forget, to be honest. I did, uh, there, there is a, a man in the Melbourne comedy scene uh, at the moment. I call him Derek McHugh in my show because it sounds like a fake name and is his name. Uh, and he regularly hits on all the young women coming into the scene, but in quite a harmless way. And I feel like he's your level one, he's your training wheels creep. Like it's quite important to work up your skills on Derek. He's just become prime minister. <laughs> Don't they all? <laughs> One more question. Do we have one more question? One more question. I'm like 100% feminist and my boyfriend's kind of like 50%? Feminist. Then you're not 100. <laughs> he's not, he's not 100%. Is it, is it like osmosis? 
I'm so sorry. That was meant to be a joke, and this rabble took it as a revolution. So sorry. Continue, continue. Well, I'm basically, we always have this argument about feminism, and I just want to know how I can convert him to a 100% feminist. It's a challenge. I've got a suggestion. Uh, just read the entirety of human history. Uh, What's he holding out on? Oh, well, no, no. He is, like, pretty feminist, but he won't call himself a feminist because, you know, the F word is seen as, like, kind of taboo. Is that the only sticking point, that he won't say, I am a feminist? Yeah, basically. But in every other way, you see him behaving as a feminist? Yeah, yeah, I know. Because I'll tell you one thing. I would much rather a man say he wasn't a feminist and be one than say he was one and not be one. And that is... That's true. A lot of men I've met. So I think, stick with that guy. I'll let him know. <laughs> but also, just play him the guilty feminist. That wears, It does wear men down. <laughs> That's so many men have written to me and say, I've had men write to me, a sweet man called Lawrence, who said, I'm basically a dinosaur, and I, I started listening to your podcast because I wanted to know what the enemy was up to. And, uh, and he said, but 18 months later, I have to admit, you've worn me down. 18 months! And I wrote back and said, why? And he said, some of the things you say still annoy me, but keep saying them because they're working. He said, I realise I really do other anyone who isn't a white, straight, cis, non-disabled man. And I thought the fact that he said the word cis, was really, he'd really taken things on board. So um, I wrote back and said, why did you keep listening? He said, because it's funny. And it's just, he said, I was enjoying the jokes, even though they were about me. And he said, it's really working. And then I read that on the podcast with his permission. And so many men wrote to me and said, I am Lawrence also. I too am Lawrence. Um, so it does work. So maybe if you, is there any way that you could play it like when he's in the bathroom and you've locked the door? <laughs> Just get him, bring him along to this. See, you could have brought him tonight, ideal, because there'd have been a man here. You could have tricked him into... You've brought your mum, because it's a feminist night. Your mum was a feminist before you were born, though, so she doesn't need it as much. Um, I, I always think it matters more who someone is than what they are, basically. Mm. So if he's a nice person, then you can work on him. <laughs> Andy, any advice as to how a woman can make a man be more feminist? Um, you, you got any mansplanations? No, that really we're, we're looking just for? the basic application of common sense and dignity. Uh, should do it, I think. Um, uh, do we have time? We've got one minute left of this show. Uh, I would like to ask a question. Go on then. Just cheer if you were previously a Bugle fan, but now might listen to The Guilty Feminist. Just that man. Uh, and that man clapped. So there's two men. We've won over two men. And, uh, just, and vice versa. Yeah, vice versa. If you were a guilty feminist fan but now would listen to the bugle. We've, we, see, feminists are more malleable. Right. Than and, and hands up if you were a fan of either or both shows and will never listen to either of them. Again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can change minds. <laughs> Alice? I would like to end the Guilty Feminist podcast by saying happy Australian Father's Day to my dad. Oh! Big round of applause for Thank you. And the incredible Alice Fraser. And the wonderful Fuck You, Chris. And everyone at King's Place. Anything you want to tell them before we go? Anything you want to plug? Uh, no, no, but give it up for Deborah Francis White. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. Thank you. Thank you for coming to the Guilty Bugle. See you next time.
You have been listening to The Guilty Bugle with Andy Zaltzman, Alice Fraser and me, Deborah Francis-White. The recording engineer was Chris Sharp. The producers were Tom Selinski and Chris Skinner. The Guilty Feminist theme was by Mark Hodge. Thanks to Zoe, Sally and everyone at King's Place as well as all of you for listening. For more information about The Bugle, go to thebuglepodcast.com. And for more information about The Guilty Feminist and our podcast crossover season, go to guiltyfeminist.com. former double act partner moved continents to avoid, <laughs> to avoid my ticket sales. And, and, uh, and what's he doing now? No idea. <laughs> Ab- absolutely no absolutely idea. Absolutely no idea. No. no. But you know what? It's, you know, he might have the ticket sales, but he also has the Emmys. So <laughs> there's that. There's that, you know. Um, so, uh, hello. Uh, jo- uh,